You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Wonderful, I'm Pete. I've got the privilege of uh, speaking this morning. If you've got a Bible, I'd love it if you could uh, get that out. It's Mark chapter 8. Some of you, I know it'll be on your phones, your iPads, or even you've got a book like me. I don't know what kind of week you've had. Um, I, I was chatting to my father this week who's had a hearing aid fitted. It's funny, you know, you suddenly think, oh, my parents obviously get into that kind of age where they just need a little bit of support on some of these things. And I was chatting to my parents, I was saying, oh, how, what's your week been like? And uh, for a long time, my father's not heard many things that have been said. And my mum said, it's changed everything. She said, I can't hear the telly now. He's had his hearing aid fitted and it makes everything so loud, you know, that he was sat there and he said, turn the telly down, stop shouting at me, woman. <laughs> and um, it's funny because uh, Nikki's mum's also had an operation this week. She's had a, a cataract done in her eye. And just say, wow, it's been remarkable. You suddenly realise for so long that your vision has just been going. And then suddenly this comes and I know there's a period of healing. She's just saying, remarkable, the change. And I guess what it made me think is, I believe that God wants to do that kind of thing in us, spiritually. I don't know how many of you saw that gene therapy on the eye this week. They, you know, this person was saying, you know, they, I mean, how do they do all that kind of stuff? I'm, I marvel at how clever doctors and opticians and all these kind of folk are. It's, it's remarkable, isn't it? But actually what I really marvel at is what God could do in our hearts. I would love us to come and approach the Bible and suddenly think, Actually, God, I'd love you to do something in me that I went away. Oh, God, the whole world got loud of. I just heard God. I'd love us to leave looking at the Bible, almost thinking, golly, if something happened to my eyesight, because I just suddenly feel I see a bit clearer than I used to. I'm going to encourage you to stand up, and I'm going to pray and ask that God will do that while we look at the Lord. Father, we do want to come. Richard encouraged us to stand earlier. We're standing now because we're actively saying, We want to go away from your word, hearing clearer and seeing better. Lord, we'd love that kind of experience. Oh, golly, it's the whole work. Can I just hear God? Could you unblock something that we could hear? Lord, for some of us, if we're really honest, uh, you know, maybe our eyesight is just growing a bit dim. I pray this morning that as we look at your word, there'd be something spiritually that just opens in our eyes. And we think, oh, Father, I see that much more clearly than I've ever seen before. God, we'd love to know some sort of spiritual NHS this morning. We'd love to come literally and say, oh God, we need you. As we look at this word, let it not just be something dry or something routine. Let it be a sort of significant life step in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. You can grab a seat. I'm going to read a few verses here from Mark chapter 8. The healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He, that's Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, This is the man. I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go in 
to the village. I mean, I love this parable. I think what it is, is it, it's Jesus. He's listened to the people's request. There's something quite tender, isn't there? He takes a hold of this man and leads him out of the village. We don't really know why. Some people think it's because it would have been too shocking for the man's eyesight to have suddenly been overcome with all that would happen in a city. Some think, actually, it was just a, a chance for Jesus to, to connect with the guy. Let's be honest, if you're leading somebody that's blind, you'd be holding their hand and you're probably explaining where you're going. You're talking. We know that Jesus spat on the man. I mean, it seems shocking, doesn't it? Spat on the man. Touched the man. He got involved. He asked him a question. Do you see anything? Jesus then touched the man a second time. And there was this amazing result. His eyes were opened. It says it three times if you picked it up. His eyes were opened. His sight was restored. He saw clearly. I I think this is an, an amazing story. And I believe that Jesus, motivated by love, wanted to bless this guy. You may be here this morning thinking, I need a touch from Jesus. Great. I believe that he longs to touch you. We'd love to pray for you. I can promise we won't spit on you. But the idea is we're going to come and say, oh God, we long for a touch from you. We long to have our eyes open. I believe that Jesus would ask us the question this morning, what do you see? What do you see? Now, as soon as we've done that, and I don't very often do this, but we are going to now, we're going to flip back to another passage in the Bible, to two kings. What do you see? Helen Keller, I don't know if any of you have heard of her. She was the first blind person in the States to get a degree. She said the only thing worse than being blind is having no sight. Listen to that. The only thing being worse, worse than being blind is having no sight. I think some of us, we've got eyesight, but what is our vision? What do we see? I think there's this wonderful story in the Old Testament just about sight coming, or not as the case may be. Some of you might know this. Two kings chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. 
Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire of all, all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they'd entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. The Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them, so they may eat and drink, and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they'd finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. I think on this vision morning where we're just thinking about sight and what do we see, you've got three very different groups of people here. And I think in this story, it challenges me about what kind of sight do we have. I think the first group of people you could think about were the soldiers. If you had to think about it, uh, they were those that were given orders. They received a plan and a purpose. They were aware of the man who knew secrets. However, they could not see. I guess if I had a, a, an image this morning, I might have brought a sword as an illustration. This is what a soldier was. But actually, the thing in the story is that the soldier was blind. The soldier was blind. They couldn't actually see where they were. Now, does that mean they couldn't physically see? I'm not saying they couldn't physically see. They had to walk about 10 miles. That's how far it was from Elisha's house to the city. I don't think there was a load of soldiers coming along like this. <laughs> where, where are we going? You know, I, I think maybe physically their eyes were opened. But actually, I think spiritually they were blind. There wasn't a, an understanding of this, of who they were with. God had done something here, and, and they were blinded. It may well be that there's some people here that are blind. It's not physically that you can't see, but actually you don't see spiritual truths. You don't understand it. It's almost like that's the, a picture in the Bible. It's like, oh, God, I, I don't really understand. Why are these people singing? Why do they sing so much? I mean, who are we praying to? There's almost like a spiritual blindness. Your eyes are open. You walked in. You walk out. You can read. But can you genuinely see? The second, uh, I was going to say group, but it's one person, isn't it? Gehazi, we know that's his name. That's the servant of Elisha. He's someone that has got, dare I say, partial sight. He's up early. He's working hard. I would like to think of him as an industrial achiever. He's partial sight. He can see the physical, but he suddenly panics. He, he looks out and he thinks, man, I'm in trouble. We are surrounded. I mean, in those days, there wasn't necessarily a phone. You could phone up and, and ask for the A-team to come and get you out of a difficult situation. It wasn't like you could suddenly stick something on the internet. I'm in trouble. Come and rescue me. I mean, if you were surrounded, I mean, that was bad news. These were not friendly. I mean, he would have looked out. It says a mighty army. Suddenly, first thing in the morning, they sprung up overnight. There's trouble. 
let's be honest, some of us might feel surrounded by an army. And you might say, oh, Pete, come on, there's nobody around here. There's no one in camouflage. No, but we, we feel surrounded by trouble. And if we look at the start of this year, we can look at difficulty. Maybe it's a health thing for you. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a relationship not quite worked out. But actually, you think, golly, I'm, I'm just surrounded here. And physically, when I look around me, all I can see is trouble. All my eyes can, can understand is something difficult. And then the third category that I would like to say, which is, again, one person, is Elisha. Elisha was in this situation, but he behaves, and, and obviously I've called it the soldier, the servant, so I had to go for another S, the son. Elisha is someone who sees supernaturally. I find it fascinating that even this king that is opposing says, how does somebody seems to know what I've said in my bedroom? In those days, you know, the bedroom was like considered the, the most private place. It was the most, nobody would ever know. You know, you could say something in the bedroom, they'd never hear. But it's almost like, I mean, they didn't have bugs in those days, but somebody's, somebody's bugging the bedroom. You know what I'm saying? How on earth do they, how do they hear what I've actually said at home? So intimate. He's aware of this. Elisha sees that supernaturally. Elisha is aware of the presence of angels protecting. If I had to think about the soldier, I might think of a sword, something aggressive. If I had to think about the servant, I might think of a towel ready to serve. If I had to think of Elisha, the symbol I'd give him is a smile. There's almost something about he trusts God because he's got this supernatural vision. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like the servant comes running in panic. <laughs> it's almost like Elisha saying, no, no, no. God opened his eyes. Let him just see the bigger picture. It's almost like the king earlier on, isn't it? He says, <laughs> Look, I just want to warn you, if you go down that road, there's going to be a bunch that are going to ambush you. Go around the back and you've got them. You can imagine him smiling. It's almost because he can say, Look, I'm trusting God. God gives me that kind of vision. So I'd like to ask you the question on this vision morning. What sight do you have? How do you see? If you're really honest, is it a bit like a soldier? You think, golly, I probably feel blinded. Is it really a bit like a servant? Maybe something of duty, something of the physical? Or is it something like Elisha? They think, God, you just opened my eyes. Charles Swindle, who's an American author, says this, when you have vision, it affects your attitude. Your attitude is optimistic rather than pessimistic if you've got vision. Barack Obama, President of the United States, said, our job is to make sure that even as we make progress, we're able to give people a sense of hope and vision for the future. I think vision is really key to us. And therefore, I want to challenge us in three ways. How do we have vision? Three areas as a church we might think, where do we get vision? The first thing I've called it is everyday vision. How do you have vision every day? Elvin Toffer Again, another American, I seem to be quoting a lot of Americans today, says you've got to think about big things while you're doing small things, so that the small things go in the right direction. I like that. You've got to think about big things whilst doing the small things, so that the small things go in the right direction. I think we've got to be those as Christians. How do we keep our, our vision right every day? Let me try and make this really practical. We serve uh, tea and coffee here. 10 o'clock on a Sunday. Some of us, if we're really blunt, we're like soldiers. I never even knew it happened. I was completely blind to it. 
Some people, if we're really honest, we approach it like a servant. Which week am I on duty? I'll be there. But some, if we approach it like a son, we think, how could I meet with a family and encourage someone else? You see what I'm saying? We've just got a slightly different vision. I think it would be true about our jobs, wouldn't it? You go to work every day. What kind of vision do you have at work? Is it, well, I'm just a, a soldier? I'm not, I'm not really, half the time, I used to be like this. I'm, <laughs> I say about a teacher, I bet not say it as a pastor. I used to worry. I, I used to have a recurring nightmare as a teacher. I was a primary school teacher for five years. That somebody would find out one day that I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And that I would get sacked. It's funny, I used to dream that. I don't know if you ever dream like that. I, I used to think, one day someone's going to find out. I haven't got a clue how to teach. I felt like I entertained the class and we had a great time together. One parents' evening, I had a parents' to me. My daughter's loved being in your class, Mr. Cornford. She's, she's loved coming to school. She comes home laughing every day. And I answered her in a parents' evening. I said, I've, I've just had a riot. I hope she has a teacher next year who teaches or something. And his parents sort of looked at me and I thought, oh no, why did I say it out loud? The story's going to get out. I don't know what I'm doing. Obviously, after five years, I didn't, and that's why I started leaving the church. No, that's not true at all. But I think, how do we keep a vision for what we're about? How do we keep a vision? I think we even talk about a community group. It's the everyday. We could just think, oh, God, it's just not on my radar. I'm busy. Or we could think, man, I want to build a community and impact a community. That's what a vision is. It's like uh, Kieran just said to us, the everyday, I think, we've got a day of prayer and fasting coming up. You know, if, if you're a servant, it could be a duty, and we think, oh, golly, that's 8 o'clock Wednesday, got to be at the town hall. Or actually, if you're a son, you think, man, I'm not going to book anything on that day because I just want to spend as much time as I can with the Father. You see, there's a, there's a vision that impacts us on everything. I want us to be a church that it's almost like God spiritually opens our eyes that we have that kind of vision. It's like even when we give, we've just taken the offering, something that we do here every week. I guess if you're a soldier, you could feel blocked and dropping loose change. I guess if you're a servant, you think, golly, right, I've got a tithe. What's my net income? Can I work it out on that? If you're a son, you're going to think, how could I extravagantly invest? I think it's a vision, isn't it? I think vision impacts us every day. In your marriage, let's be honest, it's not all romantic moments. What's your vision for your marriage? Is it you think, well, you know, putting out the rubbish? God, it's just another duty. I I don't know who keeps putting stuff in this bin because every time I empty it, I come back and it's full again. You can tell which job is mine, can't you? Yeah. I know Nicky would be saying, oh, it's a laundry basket, it's a laundry basket. But yeah, I'm preaching. So the fact is, I think, but I think, now actually, by emptying the bin, what I'm really trying to say is, I know this will bless my family. Have I got a vision for the big picture? Or have I just let my head go down? Have you got vision in your life? I would like to encourage you, think about the big things, even when doing the small. The other thing I want to bring some vision about is I would love us as a church to get vision for some of the events that we've got coming up this year. Why is I say that? Because otherwise what happens is you just think, oh, golly, my diary's getting busy. I'm not sure I can fit things in. Franklin Roosevelt, there you go, it's all American today. He says, keep your eyes on the stars and your feet on the ground. I love that. It's almost like, come on, let's how do we dream? Keep your eyes on the stars, but you've still got to be doing stuff. I think, how do, how do we have vision for some of the things here? I think, let's be full of vision about the food bank. I think what Chris has started 
with other churches in the last year has been incredible. I think, how do we keep vision for that? I honestly believe that the gospel is good news to the poor, physically and spiritually. So surely what we're doing is, and I encourage you, bring some articles, put them at the back there, pray for Chris, give some money into food bank, offer to serve. You know, I know they've just had a meeting in Hanwell this week about opening one there. I know they've had a meeting in Greenford about opening one there. I know South will want to open one there. I know there's already one. You know what I'm saying? Actually, we want to have vision for these events that surely as a church we want to impact the community, don't we? The last thing I'd love us to think about is, oh golly, we, we, we just get a, a bigger and bigger number in a hall. What we want to do is we want to have this. That's why we want to serve. We're going to have a, a church gift day. Cha-ching, get your diaries out. I know some of you are already there. 6th of April. Now you could just, oh golly, that's the weekend I need to be away. Or you could think, no, I could have vision that I could invest in the kingdom of God. You think, wouldn't it be a great time to say, hey, come on, let's stand together. Let's believe God for God. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows that the doors are going to open up? That's where I think we could have some vision. Investing in eternity. Sunday, the 1st of June. I hope you've got your diaries out. We've got an international worship guy coming to Redeemer, a guy called Evan Rogers. He's going to be stoking us on worship and leading us in worship. Now, you, you could think, oh, what's all that about? Well, we are made to worship God. And so I just think, wow, what a privilege to get a guy like that in to stoke us in worship. So our vision is, oh, God, I want to live for you. So the vision is, right, I want to be there. I want to put that date in my diary. You know what I'm saying? I'd love to say, well, these are the kind of events I want to get behind. Why? Because I want to be a worshiper. I want to be someone. What's the Bible say? Bring a sacrifice of praise. And I think that will invest in me. We've got vision for events on the 29th of June. We've got Steve Tibbet coming to preach. And some of you say, Steve who? I would say, get that date in your diary. Why? This is the guy that really got right behind us starting. I think there's something about honouring people. I, I mean, Steve wouldn't want me to do this. Partly I'd just like to really embarrass him. But partly I think I'd just love to really honour him. I would tell more about the story about Redeemer another time, but actually Steve has played a key part in it. And so to me, you think, why not come as a church and just think, wow, we're just really grateful for the input that you've given to us. You see what I'm saying? Vision just lifts our eyes. It's vision for like New Day. We're talking about the youth going ice skating today. What we'd love to do is take a bunch of young people camping. Do you know, 6,000 went last year. I mean... Hundreds got saved. Amazing number of miracles happened at this camp. You know, to me, that's the vision. About, that's why we'd, we'd love to subsidize as many go skating as possible this afternoon. Why? Because we want to we be a part of something bigger, something where God speaks. So often it's tough for our kids, isn't it? They're in a school and it's almost like peer pressures not to go for God. They suddenly go to a place like that and you think, wow. This is where we want to capture some vision. Another date, I hope you've got diaries out, 19th to the 21st of September, we've got a prophet coming to the church, a guy called Julian Adams, I, I tell you, this guy, uh, <laughs> and now, now my cover's blown, so I won't be able to do it here, this guy has such accurate prophecies, I was in a meeting probably about eight years ago where he turned up, there's maybe this kind of number, and, and I know that he just hears from God powerfully, so I wore my brightest possible shirt, 
just think it helps the eye of the prophet to catch you. And I sat on the end of the row like this. And as we're worshiping, I sort of stand out like this. You know what I'm saying? Sure enough, he brings a word for me. <laughs> Everybody would turn up in bright shirts that week, I'm sure. He's going to come amongst us for a weekend. I think that we'll hear from God in a powerful way. We can hear from God today, this week. I would encourage you, come with vision. What would God say? That would be a fantastic weekend. So we've got a vision for the everyday. We've got vision for events. I would love us as a church to have vision for growth. Vision for growth. I don't know how many of you saw the Ealing Gazette this week. It's a great paper and well worth the read, is all I can say. I mean, I don't know who did the front page, but I think Adam did a great job. And um, man, I love the good-looking guy on the inside cover. It's just, why do we do things like this? Because actually we believe that we've got vision, that we grow. I want us to dream as a church for growth. I, I can embarrass them now, I know, because I never got little Eliana just at the back there. If you've got a baby and they don't grow, you've got some concerns, haven't you? I've got vision, surely, that we will grow. If you were around for the carol service on the 15th, to me, that was like the vision of the next step, isn't it? 200 people in the main hall. I think we've got to have vision for that. When Jesus spoke about the gospel advancing, it was always about growth. The danger can be, and, and I put myself in this, we can be in a, in a country where sometimes it feels like churches are closing. And we can feel like, oh, what's our vision? Last one out, turn off the lights. If, if we could just stay here until the Lord comes again, we've been faithful. No, I think I want us to have a vision that we could grow. I want us to have a vision that we can make an impact upon the borough. That's why we do things like Alpha. I mean, wonderful story, really. I don't know if you grasped it with Keith. Life of drugs and that radically turned around. You don't have to have a life like that. Any life could be touched. Come on, Alpha. That's why we want to put out an, uh, a bus advert. That's why we want to do leaflets. That's why we want to share this. I want us to have vision for growth. The gospel is good news. Just, just turn around and look at the back. If I were you, you might want to take a photograph because I want to believe we won't be in this room for long. I'd love us to believe that actually the room, it gets too small, you know what I'm saying? And then suddenly we've got a headache. Pete, what are we going to do? I had wondered about whether we'd meet in the cinema opposite. You said, what cinema? Oh, where's your faith? Yeah, come on, open your spiritual eyes. <laughs> Apparently it's going to be built by 2017. I thought that's probably a little bit long. I don't think we can wait that long. I was disappointed. I thought the council were going to be onto it before then. I think, but seriously, where's our vision? Would we have to have a bigger room? Would we have to have two meetings? Have we got dreaming for two locations, three locations? I think there's this thing of, hey, God, we, we want our eyes to be open to what you're doing. I feel that I can end up sometimes like the servant. It's easy like that, isn't it? If we're really honest, we look at the physical and we think, oh, God, we're, we're in desperate trouble here, aren't we? Oh, look, I'm surrounded physically. We can think, oh, golly, it seems hard work. Or we can look at our eyes spiritually and say, God, we believe yours is an advancing kingdom. I know that we're going to celebrate next weekend that we've been going one year. My vision is when do we celebrate we've planted the next church? 
When do we celebrate we planted the one after that? When do we celebrate we planted one into another nation? You see what I'm saying? I, I, I just don't want us to believe that we could tick over here. I'd love us to believe, well, what is God really going to do? George Lucas, didn't he write Star Wars? It's good to throw him in when you've got some vision going, isn't it? He says, dreams are important. You can't do it unless you can imagine it. In the nicest possible way, I'd like to feel God is just putting a Bunsen burner under some of our bums to say, come on, oh, that's hot. Let's dream for something a bit bigger. Let's not just sit here and calm down. Let's not just think, oh, this is it. We're going to be here for a long time. Let's not think, oh, God, if we could just get through a few weeks. As I think God wants to turn the heat up on some of us and think, what could I believe for? Where could we believe this going? He said, Pete, that sounds like hard work. Yep, it sure does. Here you go. I've got an Englishman in, Winston Churchill. I feel that he'd say to us this morning, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I say it is to wage war by sea, land and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us, to wage war against the monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalogue of human crime, that is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory. Victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory, however long and hard the road may be. I think, oh, I'd love to have that kind of Winston Churchill approach when it comes to believing God for the future, wouldn't you? What can I offer you on a vision morning? Sweat. <laughs> what can I offer you? Toil, tears. But what can I believe God for? I believe God for victory. Why is that? Is this just Pete getting excited and talking himself up? You know what I'm saying? Has he just wound himself up for the last week and comes out like a little rabbit on a Sunday morning? No, I don't believe that. You see, if we go back to Mark and we finish the passage which we started looking at. So if, if you've got um, your, your finger there, was it Mark 8? Some of you would have picked up straight away. Is this about physically seeing? I mean, what happened there? Was it a sort of funny morning? I mean, Jesus had to go back a second time. I mean, I don't, I'm not aware of that in any other miracle. I mean, it's, it's so strange, doesn't it? It's almost like Jesus says, do you see anything? And, and then he said, well, I, I see people, they look like trees. Some people suggest that he therefore hadn't been born blind, that he would have known what people and trees look like, and he's got this partial sight back. We don't know that. Once more, Jesus put his hands upon his eyes. Now, what do I, I believe this is? I believe that this is a picture of progressive revelation. And if you've got your Bible, you could flip back to John chapter 7, and if you see the healing of the deaf mute, you see that actually it's a very similar picture. A man is brought to Jesus in John seven thirty-one. It talks about there. Jesus takes him aside, just like he did with the blind man. Jesus spat, just like he did with the blind man. Jesus touched him, just like he did with the blind man. The man is able to hear and speak. So where am I going with this? You see, to me, this is progressive revelation because the deaf hear, 
the blind see. Well, actually, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know there were prophets, and one of the major prophets was a guy called Isaiah. And Isaiah, in chapter 35, verse 5 and 6, says this about the Messiah, the anointed one. The eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame leap like a deer, and the mute shout for joy. So actually, if I think about vision, and I look at the story of the blind man, what it's really pointing to is Christ. And in fact, if you look at the next bit in the Bible, and the way Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has pulled this together, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and he turns to them and says, who do you think I am? And Peter comes out with a statement, well, you're the Christ, aren't you? There's an understanding of who Jesus is. I think that this is progressive revelation of how great Jesus was and is today. This is a progressive revelation of Jesus as the saviour of the world. And actually, if I wanted us to have some vision, it's not, well, and I do want us to have vision every day and vision for events and vision for growth. I would love us to come out with vision for Jesus. Because I think that is key to everything else. Actually, what this story really says is we're to be those that come and to fix our eyes upon him. It says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You see, if we wanted to take anything from this story, we want surely our eyes to have some spiritual understanding. Wow, Jesus, is that how much you love me? Is that how much you've forgiven me? Is that how extensive your grace is towards me? Is that how full your compassion is to me? Because Jesus, when I see you, I think that will give me vision for everything else. Now, I know the difficulty is we're in church and I don't want to, you know, oh, the answer is always Jesus. No, the answer always is Jesus. You see, if I want us to have vision, I want us to have vision of him. I would love us to plant churches. I'd love us to have other congregations. I'd love us to have multi-meeting. You know what I'm saying? I'd love us. But actually, what I'd love us to do is to gaze upon him. I'd love us, above all, to be a church that actually said, Jesus, I love you. And I feel that I'm getting a greater and greater revelation of you. I feel I'm seeing you more clearly. I never understood that. I never understood before. I'd love us at the end of 2014 say, Jesus, I just, I feel like spiritually my eyes have been opened to you. Something's happened in my heart I, I can't quite quantify. Paul wrote to the church in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we live by faith. This is it, isn't it? Not by, not by physical sight, but by faith in him, looking to him. That is the key. He writes to the church in 2 Corinthians, I just said, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And so ultimately, yeah, I'm pumped. I can't wait to see what happens as a result of this because I believe this is, this is like the word going out. 
And people were here. I believe that we'll see fruit from this. We had a lady come and visit last week, got a leaflet last year. I believe people come along for weeks to come. With the bus advert starts, I think it is this week. I think, what's that? I think we just keep sowing seeds. But ultimately, I could get excited and pumped about this. But actually, if I really wanted us to see anything, I want us to see him. I want us to see him. If I wanted us to have a vision for anything this year, it's a vision for Jesus. And so that's why we're going to finish by breaking bread together. To me, it's just a chance. I know that Josh is just going to queue up a video. We're going to have a song and a video while we do it this time. What I'm going to encourage is I'm going to encourage people to come out and to um, take some of this. And then I'd like you just to go back to your place. And, And often I encourage you to pray with somebody. I don't want you to pray with anyone today. I want you to be formal. Just be unfriendly. Just, just, just ignore the person next to you, in all seriousness. Because what I'd love you to do is I'd love you to take this and I'd love you to fix your eyes upon him. And I'd love us during the process of this song, so I don't want any musicians playing, I'd love us all to think, I can come and take this, but they just listen to the words, and obviously there's video going, and actually what you're saying is, Jesus, I want to see you better. I would love to have spiritual hearing aids that I hear you better today. I'd love to have a a spiritual cataract that there's something of my vision of you is just changed. And so we're going to do that. So um, Josh, if you could fire up the video, that would be fantastic. If you've not been here before, you're very welcome to come and take part if you're a Christian. Um, We don't use wine, so if you uh, don't like drink, that's fine. Come and take part. There's gluten-free bread on the left other bread here on the right. Jesus, as we do this, we do want our vision to be you. That you would die on a cross for us, that you'd rise again. You'd show such love for us. I just encourage you. One at a time. Come up now.